Good morning, Door Creek. Good morning. I'm Pastor David, one of the pastors here at Door Creek, uh, the campus pastor of Northside Madison, which is lease assigned, and uh, we will be getting in there very soon to start demolition. Yeah. So, amen. Many of you have signed up already, and then many of you have been contemplating signing up, so I want to encourage you, if you have um, free time and you want to tear down some walls and some cabinets and, you know, pull some wires out and things like, take some frustration out, you know, I encourage you to, to sign up so you can be a part of that. Um, also, the Kingdom Justice Summit, please make sure um, at least attend one of the three events that are happening um, on the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd March. Um, it's a great opportunity to be with other churches, other brothers and sisters from around the city. Uh, so let's go out and support the Kingdom Justice Summit. And also boomerangs, uh, please volunteer, donate items, shop there, spend your money. Um, you're helping someone else out when you shop at, at boomerangs. Just like a boomerang, you send your blessing out, it'll come right back to you. So we encourage you to, to be a part of, of boomerangs. And rooted giving, you can still do that throughout the rest of the month. So as you leave, um, remember to drop your rooted offering in the offering box, all right? The offering box, okay? I will also be moderating a... Uh, panel discussion at the Kingdom Justice Summit called the Black Church and Justice. So you don't have to be black to attend it. So, you know, <laughs> we encourage you to come and, and hear uh, what is how the black church responds uh, to justice issues. All right. Well, thank you for being here this morning. And we are starting a new series in the James, in book of James. And so we will be going to the first chapter of James, starting it out. And the series is called Faith that works, but this uh, particular message uh, this week will be perseverance that works. So we will be talking about perseverance, what it means to persevere and how James encourages us uh, to persevere. Just give you a, a, a definition. Perseverance is steadfastness in doing something despite of difficulty or delay in success. Okay. Being steadfast and doing something despite of the difficulty that you face doing it or the delay in its success. Just because it's not succeeding now doesn't mean you should give up on it. You should be steadfast and keep persevering. I gave the example of me and me and my wife. We were um, praying and asking God for, for children, and um, it wasn't happening. She wasn't getting pregnant, and, you know, it was like, you know, do we be steadfast and keep doing what we're supposed to be doing? And, and we did with joy. We kept, you know, we kept our in a bargain up. And um, <laughs> we kept, you know, we, we, were, we were steadfast uh, despite of the difficulties and the delay in success. But eventually, because we prayed and we were fervent, we, we, we stood in there, we were steadfast. God blessed us not with just one, but with five. Five kids. Amen. Now, you're talking about exceeding and abundantly above that which you can ask or think. The first child is the only one we prayed for. <laughs> the other four were oopses. It's like, did that really just happen? But, uh, but perseverance, it works. When you persevere, when you hang in there, when you stick in there, maybe it's a business that you have and things just are not succeeding the way you want them and you're facing all kind of difficulty, persevere. If God gave you that, persevere, because God is not man that he should lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. He never fails. So be steadfast. So James is going to encourage us in that. James is an interesting um, individual. 
Um, there are three James. There are three out three Jameses in the New Testament, and and this the book of James that we are going to be studying has been attributed to the James that is the brother of Jesus. Um, there were the other two James, um, son of Alphaeus and son of Zebedee, but this is James, Jesus's brother, and he's writing. And interesting about James is that the three years of Jesus's public ministry, James wasn't a follower. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. It was after the resurrection when James became a follower. And it's attributed that his book is one of the oldest, if, if not the oldest, in the New Testament. So James writes, and, and, and what he's writing about, he doesn't take the angle of writing about the gospel as, as far as salvation, but he takes the angle of writing about Christian ethics, morals, and principles, and how Christians ought to live their lives on a daily basis, how we ought to react and how we ought to act when we are faced with difficult situations, when um, success is not so readily available to us, how we should live, how we should walk, how we should talk, how we shouldn't just be a hearer of the word, rejoice in it, but then go out and don't apply it to our lives. We got to apply what we hear. If we want to make a difference, if we want God's word to make a difference in our life, you have to digest doesn't do any good for me to put medicine in my mouth. If I don't take it, digest it, it's not going to do me any good. The word, you can hear it, but if you don't do it, it's not going to do you any good. You can say amen on that. Because I know that's true. If you don't apply it to your life, it's not going to make a difference. So James is encouraged us on that. So we're going to look here at, at James's writing in the first chapter. You can grab that. And we're going to look at our, our first um, series here, James, Perseverance Works. Perseverance works when facing trials, okay, when facing trials. And we all know what trials are, don't we? You don't have to be an attorney to know what a trial is. We all know the trial. Trials are tests. They are, uh, they are things that come against us that cause resistance, that cause, cause challenges. Trials are things that happen from an external source, Things that happen to us from externally, that means friends, associates, relatives, uh, people, people we like, people we don't like, um, health, things like that that happen from the outside that challenge you that maybe, hmm, I don't think I want to do this anymore because I'm facing too many challenges. These trials are just too hard. So James is going to tell us how we ought to um, behave, the principles that we should use when we are facing trials. So steadfastness works when we are facing external pressures. This is what the word says. Let's pray first before I get into it. Father God, thank you today for your wonderful blessings. Thank you for your word. Thank you what you have prepared for our hearts this morning. We ask, Lord, that you will speak. We will hear and we will do. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you. In the most precious, holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So he's writing to who? He's writing to the converted Jews who are now followers of Jesus Christ. And they are, of the 12 nations, they are scattered all around the world. They are scattered out. They are just like you take seeds and you just throw the seeds out. They are scattered among. And so James is writing to these believers. Now, it doesn't mean it stops there that, oh, because we weren't of the nation of the, of the 12 tribes of Jews, that means it's not to us. This is to us because Christ made this to us. It's, his, it's Christ's inspired word, which is not only to the Jews, but it's also to the Gentiles. It's also to Door Creek. It's also to us today. So these are his words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, 
whenever you face trials of many kinds. Listen, consider it pure joy. That means think about it. When you consider, when you consider something, take thought about it. He didn't say you better count it joy. He said just, just think about it because when you face many trials or trials of many kinds, the reason why he says consider it joy, he is saying consider yourself blessed and privileged that God's allowing you to suffer for his sake or to go through for his sake, to face trials for his sake. Count yourself blessed because God is allowing you to build up your strength. He's allowing you to, 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 to see that he loves you by allowing the trials to come to test you, to build your strength. So James is saying, consider it joy. Consider it a privilege. Consider it a blessing. Don't go around yelling and, and, and blaming God and saying, God, why am I going through all these trials? But look at it and say, Lord, this is another trial. It's going to be difficulty, God, but I know you will be with me. I know you will stand with me. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be steadfast even when it seems like nothing is happening, even when it seems like it's difficult. The, the, the success is delayed. It's not as fast as I want it to come, but I'm going to stand this trial. Trials come in many kinds. He says trials of many kinds. That means they come in all shapes, sizes, colors. They come everywhere. They come in, in your family. They come in your friends, associates. They come in your business. They come in your health. They come in your marriages, relationships, trials of many kinds. Sometimes you, you put your own self through trials. But they come in many kinds. But Paul, um, but James is saying, stand, be steadfast, persevere whenever you face them. And I like it that he, it's, a, it's not an if, it's a when. It's not if you face them, it's when you face them. So if you're trying to live your Christian walk and you're trying to avoid trials, you are doing the wrong thing. You're going to face them. You're going to face them. And you know, the good thing about it is that I don't have to go look for the trials. The trials are going to find me. <laughs> right? I don't have to go look for trouble. Trouble trouble knows my address. Every time I move, trouble seems to find me. Trials seem to find me. So, but James is saying what can remain consistent is that you face it with joy. It don't mean walking around like this. I'm going through, y'all. I'm broke and I'm hungry. My job just laid me off. <laughs> Woo, but I, I'm counting it all joy. No. No. You're, you're, you're going to feel sadness about what you're going through, but joy is not, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy is that internal uh, um, feeling and knowing that though things aren't working out, I know that God is in control. And, and weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. That joy is constant there that I know that it, it, I may be down now, but tomorrow I'm going to be up again. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Joy lets me know it ain't the end. Hallelujah. There's another day to live. <coughs> joy. Perseverance works. Perseverance works when you're facing trials. He says, testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. The whole purpose of a perseverance so that we can be mature and complete. You send your kids off to college because you want them to become mature and complete. You said you're going to face many things, 
You know, when you're away for college, you can't just come to mom and dad's house and go in our refrigerator and do your grocery shopping. You're going to have to learn to you're gonna have to learn to, to go through some trials. You know, you're going to you're going to have to learn. And so James wants us to be complete and mature. And he says a part of that completeness and maturity is facing your trials. Facing your trials, looking at your trials eye to eye and say, I will not run this time. Come on, let's do it. Amen. I got the Lord on my side. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Mm, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. Yes, you got you got the Lord on your side. So, we're complete and we're mature. Okay? Let it complete its work. Let perseverance finish its work. So that you may be complete and mature, not lacking anything. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must, what? Believe. And not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. So complete and mature. But if you lack wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom, wisdom is not knowledge. No. Knowledge is something different. Knowledge is knowing, knowing. We got a lot of smart people who go to college, get PhDs and, and all of that, and even beyond PhDs, you know, get another PhD. They have a lot of knowledge. But what good is knowledge if you don't have wisdom? Wisdom is the principal thing that shows you how to use your knowledge. Yeah. Oh, I know, I, I know the Bible by heart. It's, I, can, I can memorize all the way from Genesis to Revelation. A lot of knowledge. But if you don't know how to use it, what good is it going to do? Wisdom. So James said, if you lack wisdom, you might know how to do this because you heard it. He said, but if you don't use the wisdom to do it, it's just like <clears throat> coming to hear but not doing. You're hearing it, you know it, but the wisdom causes you to do it. To use the knowledge that you have. But if you lack that wisdom, and there's nothing wrong with that, don't be ashamed if you don't have the wisdom. James tells us what to do. He said, you ask God. God will give it to you generously. He won't be stingy with it. He'll give you all the wisdom that you need to make the right choices to bring God glory in your life. So if you lack wisdom, ask God for the wisdom. If you don't know how to do it, ask God, show me how to do it. Don't get in and say, I'm just going to try, fail, and err, and then if I make a mistake, so what? When you have a great God, when we have an awesome God, when we have a mighty God, when we have a loving God, when we have a powerful God who's willing to give you the wisdom to do it. Ask him. He will start giving it to you generously, and he won't find fault in you. But if you ask him, you better believe. You better not be like the, 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 the wind tossed and the waves of the sea tossed to and fro. That, oh, it looks good. I, I, I believe. It don't look too good. I don't believe anymore. You can't be wish-washy with God. 
You can't be up and down with God. Can't be in and out with God. You got to believe. You got to be steadfast. You got to persevere in your prayers. Because a man, and man is general, who's wish-washy, who's double-minded, who talks out of both sides of their mouth, who says one thing but does something else, a man who is double-minded is unstable in their marriage, in their health, in their church walk, in all his ways. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. It's not a pick this or pick that. You will show those signs in everything you do. You last for three months, then you quit. Say, ah, I quit because I didn't like it. No, there's some instability there. Yeah. When you know this is what you're supposed to be doing. Why are you quitting? Why are you giving up? Because it hurts, yes, but the hurt gets good. It hurts so good. Yeah, there's, there, is a good, there is a good hurt, really. When you work out and exercise and you, your legs are sore, you know, you stayed on that treadmill for that extra two minutes when you wanted to get off, and your legs are sore, your muscles are sore, I walk around the house and say, this is a good soreness. Oh, I feel good. Because <laughs> there's some benefits to this. Versus if you're sore from, from doing, for doing something stupid, you know, that's not a good soreness. It's not a good, all right? So it's going to hurt. The pain, yeah, the trials, but God is with you. And that which brings us to joy. God is with us. All right, let me finish this. Because last night I ran out of time. Uh, <laughs> don't want that to happen again. All right, so perseverance works when facing trials. And this is what James says. Now, a person that's, that's double-minded, unstable, don't even think you're going to receive anything from them. What, what you here for? What, what you got your hand out for? What you bring? What you bring your basket for? You ain't getting. You're not getting nothing. You ain't getting. <laughs> you too unstable. God can't count on you. You standing in the line, Lord. It's me standing in need of prayer. Yeah, but where were you last week? Things got so hard, Lord. I just gave up. Well, you got to be steadfast. I think Paul tells the church in Corinth, he says, you got to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Ain't that right? There's something to being steadfast, you all, something to it. All right. So perseverance works when facing trials, and it also works when you're facing temptation. Okay. Remember, trials are things that affect us from the external, Right? Things that affect us from the outside. Temptation are things that affect us from the internal, the inside. And look what, look what John, uh, James says. I'm getting these men mixed up. Look what James says here. He said, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position 
but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like wildflower. And I like these transitional verses that James uses here because after he talks about being unstable and he talks about lacking wisdom, he gets on this thing about believers in their humble circumstances and that we ought to take pride in our high position. Now, I want to explain this because it's, it seems like a really weird place for James to, to insert this in the midst of these two um, trials and, tempt- and temptations. James is telling the believers that we ought to be in our humble circumstances, and that simply means our, our, um, our low to moderate um, feeling of our own importance, okay, that, you know, when you're humble, you, you, you feel of low to moderate feeling about your own importance, which, which is not bad. That, that, that just means that I, I don't feel like I'm any more important than you. You know, we, you know uh, Paul said that don't think of yourself as highly than anyone else. Think of ourselves as, you know, lower than others, okay? So being humble is just really accepting and receiving what you are. So we should, we should be humble in our, in our, and we should take pride in our humble circumstances or in pride in our high calling, which is in God. We should be humble in our circumstances and take pride in our high calling in God, which when we are called by God's name, when we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a high calling. Isn't that right? We press toward the mark for the prize and the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So, so we have a high calling. We're humble in our circumstances, but we take pride in what God has given us. All right? We're humble in ourselves, and we're humble in what we have, but we are proud. We boast. He told us to boast in our, in our faith, to boast in the Lord. So we boast in God because we know that our humble circumstances is not the end because God has called us to a higher purpose. And then he tells, tells the rich that they ought to take pride in their humiliation, that when you are rich, and that doesn't, just doesn't mean having a lot of money, but it means having an abundance of anything. When you are rich, if you trust in that more than you trust in God, you're going to face humiliation. Amen. When you put anything above God, it will humiliate you. Yes, it will. The stock market, it all will. Your friends, they all will. You put anything above God, it might look good now, but eventually you will be humiliated. So, it's like the glass half empty, half full. Some people look at it and say, oh, it's half empty. Some people look at it and say it's half full. Well, To me, it all depends on where the glass started, how it started out. If the glass started out full and now it's half empty, you're going to feel humiliation, aren't you? You're going to feel like, oh, no, I'm losing. I'm losing what I I had. Oh, no. But if the glass started out empty in humble circumstances and you look at it now, it's half full, you're going to say, all right, we're going somewhere. God is doing something because look at, my, look at my glass. I was down and out. I was a wretch undone. I didn't have any hope. I didn't have anything. But look at my glass now. It's half full. Hallelujah. My life is getting better. But if I start out in all my junk and all my stuff, look what I got. And then it got down to half empty. Say, so, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that humiliation come. So it all depends on where you started. And we all start from nothing. And God gives us something. Hallelujah. So, how are you looking at the glass? I'll let you think about that, and you, you can answer that in your own life. So, 
Now he goes on talking about facing temptation. Temptations are from things on the inside. James says, what do he say here? When tempted, verse 13. Y'all got me there? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Okay? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Isn't that, isn't that the Lord's prayer? Okay? So we know God doesn't tempt us. God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't, and God is not tempted with evil. But James says, but this is what temptation is about. He says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So you are tempted when you are, when you are pulled and dragged away by the evil desires that are already in you and you are enticed. So that means I'm tempted from something internally that's connecting with something else that's a temptation to me that I quite not haven't gotten over. It still tempts me. It still pulls me. It still draws me. It still wants to lure me over. But God is my strength. But James is saying, listen, don't say God is tempting you. God is not putting you in the place of temptation. You are tempted because of what's inside of you. Follow me? All right? You're tempted. Listen. When we are tempted, we're tempted with things that are attracted to us, that we are attracted to. I'm not tempted with things that I don't like. I'm tempted with things that I like. So it connects with the evil desire in me, and it drags me away. But with the help of God, it doesn't get me behind the barn and beat me up. I'm able to be rescued by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as I'm being dragged away, I'm praying and I'm calling out on the name of Jesus and Jesus is coming to my rescue. See, instead of saying, God, why are you tempting me and kicking and screaming? You ought to be calling on the name of Jesus. Lord, give me strength. Lord, help me to stand. Lord, help me to defeat this. Because, Lord, there's still some things in me that I'm trying to overcome. When the temptation comes, it's dragging me away. It's distracting me. Do you know that temptations are distracting? Yeah. There's an attraction to the distraction. If the distraction wasn't attracting, then it's no problem, right? But it's only a distraction because it's an attraction. It's connecting with something on the inside of me. <laughs> you all remember my example about prune cobbler and peach cobbler, right? Yeah, yeah. Peach cobbler is an attraction. But if I'm trying to lose weight, ugh, ugh, can't have it. But I'll walk past prune cobbler every time. <laughs> yeah. You don't do nothing to me. <laughs> I can sit right here and smell you. I'm still not tempted. But peach cobbler... I'll be trying to keep the fork. All right. So the attraction of the distraction, watch out for them. Watch out for them. They'll get you off path. They'll get you out of God's way. Okay? They'll get you out of the way that you should be. All right. So the temptations come. When a person is tempted, don't say it's from God. It's from you. It's from the inside of you. Okay? When desire has conceived, it, bring, it births sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Okay? The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from God, is from above, coming down from the Father of the heaven light, heavenly lights, who does not change nor does he shift. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that he might be a kind of first fruits, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is his desire. James is telling, is telling us that don't be deceived. Okay, every good perfect thing is from God, it's from above. But then he gets on to our response, persevering through when facing life, when just facing things in life. When you come to church, he gets on us and he says, listen, my brothers and sisters, verse 19, take note of this. Okay, take note is the same thing as like when he's saying consider, consider it pure joy. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I remember hearing this at Upward. Brother Eric was preaching to the kids and to the parents. Be slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to anger. Yeah, this is, this is James. This is a great principle, you all. That you be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When I get uh, very disturbing emails from people, my first response is this. Hmm. Hmm. I'll show you what this is all about. <laughs> my first response is to respond right away with everything that I'm feeling on the inside of what they said. I'm about to set them straight. <laughs> I'm really being quick to speak here. Okay? which I really should be slow. My wife had to tell me once, she said, um, honey, don't, don't send that. <laughs> I said, but I got to because they deserve it. No, don't send it. Just think about it. So after I thought about it, I was slow to speak, slow to anger. I changed the whole thing, and I took the high road, sent something nice back, and it was, it was good. But you can't respond out of anger and just Go and do what comes to you right away. You got to think about it. You got to pray about it. You got to calm down. You got to be slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, I'm not saying it's, not, it's wrong to be angry because the Bible tells us, be ye angry and sin not. Okay? Nothing wrong with being angry. And anger is an emotion. We all have it. Okay? Some of you were angry this morning. Come to church. All right? Nothing wrong with it. It might have taken you a long time to get there, but you arrived. There's nothing wrong with it, but just make sure we channel our anger, that we don't let our anger become something that we can't handle. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. Okay? You don't have to always say, you don't have to have the last word. Okay? Once you say it, you can't take it back. Oops, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean, yes, you did. You meant it because that's why you said it. Slow. To speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. Because human, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Amen? Do we all agree with that? <laughs> it does not. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Remember James's book, his writings about moral principles? Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you, which can rescue you from a lot of bad situations. If you use the correct morals and principles of God, you will be 
saved from a whole lot of bad situations. Then he goes on to close it. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says, like someone who looks in his face in the mirror and after he's gone, he forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in everything that they do. So my closing remarks to you is don't just come here this morning and hear the word. Take it with you and apply it to your life. If you are not a person of perseverance, make it in your mind. Say, I'm going to persevere. If you are one that this weekend or this week you have decided, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do it anymore. I want you to leave here with another, a different attitude. Say, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to be steadfast. Despite of the difficulties and the delayed success, I'm going to hang in there. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick it unless God is telling me to go. That's a whole different thing if God's telling you to go. All right? Be steadfast. Persevere. Hang in there. Apply the word to your life. Digest the word. Okay? Don't let it be like the seed that's planted in thorny ground and on the rocks where the enemy can come and just take it up. Let it get down in your spirit and in your heart. My challenge to you is don't run from your tests in life. Face life with God's wisdom and faith. And listen more than you speak. Amen. We're going to pray. Gracious God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the challenges that are set before us. We thank you for the trials. We count it. We consider it joy. We consider it a privilege and opportunity to be tested for you. Help us, Lord, through our temptation. Give us strength to overcome. And, Lord, forgive us for any sin in our life. Anything we have not turned over to you, forgive us. And bless us to walk in your ways and in your word and to apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, we do pray and we thank you. Amen.